Wow. Are you, are you happy in the Lord? I mean, you may not be happy in your circumstances, but you can be happy in the Lord. Uh, we have got some things that we want to share with you over the next couple of moments. Um, I want to draw your attention to the screen. We've got a QR code. It's our Connect card. Uh, we, if you're a guest with us, you should have received a Connect card in a cup with a, a bag of coffee beans. So that's a gift from us to you as a way of saying thank you for being with us. And if you'd fill out that card, any information that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear um, what God's doing in your life, uh, where you're coming from. If you are regular with us and you've got some prayer requests or testimonies, you can use that card, either the electronic version uh, or there are paper copies out in the, the lobby as well. Uh, House of Prayer tonight from 5.30 to 6.30 at the downtown office. Uh, we'll start at 5 o'clock um, with a time of soaking worship. Yeah, it says no House of Prayer, so don't put that on the screen. Uh, go ahead and take it off. So there is House of Prayer tonight from 5 to 6.30. So the soaking worship part starts at 5, and then 5.30 to 6.30 is the prayer time. Um, upcoming events, there are not a lot of things happening until the month of August. Um, we'll restart our men's coffee and conversation, ladies' fellowship night, Oak Fellowship in the month of August. Uh, we do have a partnership class that's coming up August 19th. You can register for that on Church Center if you've not registered yet and want to be a part of that. And we're looking for help this fall in our Empowered Youth or our Restoration Kids on Sunday morning. Uh, empowered Youth meets currently on Wednesday nights, might be moving to Sunday nights. And so if you're interested in helping with that, please uh, use the Church Center to sign up for those things. Don't forget the Draw the Circle Prayer Challenge. Um, I've been unable to send out text messages. Our text messaging system has been down for a couple of weeks. And then this week when I was at Royal Family Kids Camp, um, I just lost track of some of those uh, messages to send out. And so hopefully you've been reading along with us, praying with us, and um, hopefully that's been encouraging you as we've walked through that. Uh, we are on day 19 today, so we're about halfway through uh, that prayer time. And so there are schedules in the back. If you don't have one of those yet, you can pick one of those up as well. Lots of information out on the table today. Uh, the Speed the Light offering, today is going to be our last week to take uh, for that. If you've got money for the, the project we're raising for Mike and Annika Mislinski, uh, for the Chi Alpha out of Black Hill State, you can pick one of those up. There are also Faith Promise cards out there, and uh, our Faith Promise Gold, do you want to throw that up? For the month of July, our giving for the month of July, drum roll, oh. However, you know, we can get started on August. <laughs> the, need, the need is always there. And so thank you for your faithfulness in that. Uh, we'll continue to keep you updated. Um, praise the Lord. We have um, Brittany and Mal with us in service today, Mal and Brittany. Um, they're actually coming back in August. They're going to share in service. And your monthly support, right there. Um, that goes to them, to the Lopers who were here just a few weeks ago. Uh, there are so many places around the world where the gospel is going because of your faithfulness and giving. So grab one of the Faith Promise cards if you haven't filled one of those out. They're on the table in the back. And then last but certainly not least, the baby bottles. If you've taken a baby bottle for Plus One Guidance Center uh, and it's not back yet, please let me know. Otherwise, we're going to take those over to Plus One uh, this week and get them to them. Thank you for giving in that way. So we've got a couple reports, some testimonies to give to you. Those of you that have prayed for us this week, we were at Royal Family Kids Camp. And uh, Christy's going to come and give you kind of an update on uh, everything that happened. Kind of an update, because there's no way to give them an update on everything that happened. <laughs> that is so very true. 
Oh, church, um, we had 23 campers. We were planning on 25. We ended up with 23 on Monday morning at registration. Monday night was... Um, was a, a hard night. Monday night was a very hard night. We had one camper this week who, um, because of her her uh, her trauma, we, we often talk about the brain, and, and on Saturday at training, we learn about the brain and how trauma impacts the development and even the um, growth and can change how that brain develops. And so these kiddos' brains are not the same brains as your children or your grandchildren. Um, the pictures we saw on Saturday, these brains are much smaller. They have separation between the right and the left, so processing is difficult for them. Um, when you ask them to do something and they don't respond, it is not disobedience. It is not... Um, ignoring you. It is because sometimes, in some cases, those, it's just, it, it can't cross over. The connections have not been made. Um, but, but we know that with God, and, and actually science backs it up, that we now know that that brain can be changed. And that's what's happening at Royal Family Kids Camp. So we had one little girl on Monday who's, um, we talk about her, her lid being flipped. Her, she was up here in this emotional part of her brain and not the thinking brain down here. Her lid was flipped most of the time. When her lid was flipped, um, we had physical outbursts, so um, hitting, attacking, and then we had some verbal just uh, words. Um, it was hard. It was after 1 o'clock when we finally got our little camper uh, in a safe place to sleep. That little camper ended up having her own camp this week. And we took staff. We moved her to a, uh, a different location um, so she could be safe and so our campers could be safe. But I want you to know, because of your prayers, and, and we had staff that were exhausted after all day, um, praying outside the window. I didn't know what was happening, but they're like, we need to pray for this little one and for those helping to restrain and, and um, help her regulate. We had to be her regulators. Um, Tuesday night, it was picture-perfect bedtime. She changed clothes. We got into bed. Um, she had a melatonin. You know, we, that was one of her medications. She didn't want to take it. Okay. We brought some stories. She got to pick out two stories. We read them. Can I have my melatonin now? Sure. Yeah, have melatonin. It was beautiful. Um, we prayed, played some scripture lullabies that I have. Tuesday night, she went to bed beautifully. Wednesday night, same thing. Thursday night, same thing. There was such peace in her room. Um, the days were not peaceful. The days were not peaceful, but when nighttime came, there was rest and peace in her room. And um, that's because of you. That's because your continued prayer support. That's because of the financial support that you gave um, in order for us to, to even do this camp. Um, after, after camp, um, and, and at the end, we, we had her caregivers, her parents come before everyone else. And she left early Friday morning because we knew that transition was probably going to be pretty, pretty uh, volatile. And, and it was. It, it was. Um, 
But I got reports Friday night and even Saturday from caregivers that have my number and so-and-so is laying in bed and singing um, her songs on her playaway. Each camper is given every song and the drama and the Bible stories and the puppet skits in a, in a like MP3 player. Um, and they can hear those songs again and again and again. Um, I just want to say thank you. I wish there was a way I could adequately say thank you, but you have changed lives and allowed uh, lives to be changed. If I have more stories, your prayer works. Thank you for your giving. Um, we will do this again next year. And um, if you want to be a part, I got a place for you. I got a place for you. So a couple pictures of some of the fun that we had while we were there. And uh, that's Bubbles down in the corner. Foam. So that's what he's playing in. That's the early morning swim. So they do a polar bear plunge at 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m. And uh, it was actually the chilliest morning, so it really was like a polar bear plunge. So so thank you. I reiterate that. Thank you so much. We could not do it without you. And uh, every success... Um, goes far beyond what we saw. Like, we just know that there are seeds planted. The transformation that we saw this year from campers that had been there maybe a year or two years previous, um, man, just to see them uh, opening up and trusting and God doing things in their lives, just absolutely phenomenal. So, I'm going to stop talking about it so I don't get emotional. So, uh, we've got one more thing <laughs> that we're going to do today. And so, Micaiah was on a mission trip in El Salvador over the last two weeks. Uh, yes, while we were at Royal Family Kids Camp, she came home Thursday night. And so, I asked her to come, and uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit. And she's going to start by uh, telling us what she did on the trip. Well, the first day we got there was basically just a training day. And they taught us five or six dances and two skits. And so we just went to schools and churches and sometimes just on the street and just put on a program with those. And the people there who could, like, speak Spanish and everything, like, just put on a program and spoke a message and everything. Okay. What did you see or experience that you, that you didn't expect? I guess just like how many miracles God would do and just how he would work there because like I remember one time at this school um so we give out like these wafer candy bar things to all the kids after the end and so the person there just like counted out how many kids or how many bars was needed for the older kids and then just gave them to be passed out and then she gave the rest of the younger kids, but there were only like six bars left, and there were 10 or 11 kids. And so she just told the girl that she gave it to, just hand them out and just don't look and just we'll see what happens. And so she started handing them out, and then she just like kept handing them out. And then at the end, she still had three left over, and there's still three left over from the older kids, even though they counted out exactly how many. Yeah, Amen. it was just, there's just a lot of things that happened like that the whole week. So cool. So what was the hardest thing on the trip? I think just not being able to speak Spanish and understand them. Because when you sit with the kids, when you're not dancing everything, and sometimes they would just look at you and try to talk to you. But I didn't know what they were saying, so I kind of just smiled. And <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. Okay. And then you went to work with Castillo. 
Casillo del Rey. Tell us about them. Like, what, who are they? So they basically are just an outreach or like a compound. And it's all over South America that there's like a bunch of places or a bunch of castles all around. And they basically just reach kids like wherever they're at and do kids ministry. And they just, I think they just do programs all year round. And I know you can intern there and there's like, there's a training program too. And you can just be involved in that. I didn't ask you this, but how many other teams, do you know how many other teams were there at the same time you were? A lot. Yeah. Like it was like <laughs> the most they've ever had at one time. And it was, it was a lot. Yeah. And how many years have South Dakota been going with them? 19, 19 years. years that we've been going there every summer. So anything else that you want to share with us about the trip? I guess just thanks to everyone who donated because it was just a really great experience. And I know we made a really big impact because they even told us that we, uh, that I, after all the programs, we or. 1,495 kids accepted Christ into their hearts. And so, yeah. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for giving. Uh, if you remember, uh, we had to send out a message asking people to stop giving um, because more money came in than was needed for the trip. And uh, we were actually able to bless the ministry, Casillo Del Rey, with 800 extra dollars uh, for everything that they're doing uh, above and beyond. Yes. So, so praise God. Um, so man, what an, don't you wish every week was a one-day week? Um, <laughs> but a lot of ordinary days go into the work leading up to moments like this. And so um, if you have not been here with us over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, we or months actually, we've been in the series called The Journey. Um, and The Journey is a series of booklets that we walked through. Uh, right now we're in this one. Uh, there are extra copies on the table in the back if you don't have one yet. Um, if you have yours, go ahead and open up to part four. That's where we're going to pick up today, part four. As we talked about in part two of the book, um, our relationship with Christ or what God is doing in our world all boils down to this idea of relationships. And at Restoration Church, we use the table to illustrate these relationships. And we have a relationship with our Father, is the table of intimacy. Uh, that is what we sit at every single day. Even in the presence of our enemies, we are sitting at the table of in intimacy. We also sit at the table of brotherhood with other believers, whether it's the members of Restoration Church or other believers in, in the city of Huron, other believers around the world, we sit at that table of communion. Uh, we partner together to build the kingdom. We pray for one another. We are at this table of brotherhood or this table of communion. Then we sit at the table of connection. Uh, this is where we sit with humankind. Every human being on this planet was made in the image of God. Now, that image might be marred or, or skewed by sin right now, but in the moment um, that you are the most frustrated or angry with another human being, remember they are created in the image of God, and our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. And we sit at the table of connection. We find a way to connect with them so that we can be a shelter, so we can be a refuge, so we can provide water in the thirsty land because God is in the business. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And if we're not connecting with the lost, then we're, we're not doing what Jesus commissioned us to do. And so 
Um, these tables, how do I sit at them? How do I uh, interact with people at them? How do I live in this moment? And that's kind of what we've been talking about as we've gone through this series. And Royal Family Kids Camp fits into that for us. Um, we are, are building the kingdom. We are sowing seeds in these, little, these young kids' lives. And as we talked about last week, the, the, the core values of Royal Family Kids Camp are really uh, in line with the core values of our church. We treat people royally because they're made in the image of God. We recognize that they've got some stuff in their life that makes them act the way they do. And so I look past that and I try to get to the heart. Um, I try to get to the heart. I, I don't clean people up first. I get to the heart. I get them to accept Christ as Savior and Lord, and then He cleans them. Okay, And we are all on that journey of being cleaned up. So we treat them royally, we make moments matter, and we keep moving forward. Now, one last thing before I, I dive into where I want to go today is uh, this piece of property in the downtown area. I have not, again, been able to send out text messages, but I've sent out some email. Um, and so if you've gotten those emails, um, you, un- you know I've kind of, kind of kept you up to date. But if you've not gotten them, uh, please let me know if you've got questions about what we're doing. Uh, we have made an offer on a piece of property at 304 Dakota. So it's directly across 3rd Street from the, the downtown office location. Uh, it's the old Ben Franklin store if you've lived in town long enough. And uh, it's, I will just tell you, the first time I wa- walked through the building, I left the building um, with Kendra. She walked through it with me, and I said, we're not buying that. Um, and there, just a couple things happened that week. The Lord, um, as I was sitting at my desk one day looking across at that piece of property, I'm like, you really want us to put an offer on that, don't you? And I really felt like he put a yes in my heart that he wanted us to put an offer on that building. So we did. We put um, a lower offer than what they were asking. The bank accepted it. So we're in this process. Now, the, 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 the bid we made, I had to think of the word, um, is contingent upon two things. One, we have to get approval from the city to be a church in the downtown location. Again, so be in prayer for that. That's coming up. And the second is, obviously, our voting partners have to approve it. Um, So we are in the process of putting together bids to let you know what it's going to take, what it's going to cost, what it's going to look like. Um, Ultimately, we'd love that building to be a community center that all week long we open it for some kids' activities, some teen activities, family activities, um, events that serve our greater community. Uh, But we also will use it to worship there on Sunday morning. And so that's the, the plan as of right now. We do not have all the bids yet. Uh, we are going ahead with the variance. The city examiner meeting is on August the 17th. Uh, so circle that on your calendar. Be there or be prepared to be praying for that. Uh, we meet with the city examiner. Uh, he either recommends or denies recomm- or doesn't recommend uh, approval. Uh, but ultimately, the city commission makes the final decision. That'll be on August the 20th. So if they approve it, we will continue working on the bids and all of the information. And sometime late August or early September, uh, we'll present all of that information to you in a meeting and uh, give you the opportunity to, to process it and then take a final vote on that. But at any time, if you've got questions, you can stop me after service today. You can pick up the phone and call. You can text, email, whatever. Um, and I, w- I would love to share that information with you. Um, we had the opportunity to either apply for the variance in August and sept- or September, um, but I have to be present at the meeting, uh, and I would not be present in September. So we had to, to, to go with the August date. Um, but again, final approval has to run through this church body. So... 
Whew, that's a lot of updates. There's a lot going on. Uh, I have never been more excited about what God is doing. Um, even just the way we have been able to very, um, very easily go through this process, get bids. I mean, I tried for weeks to get people to call me back about bids on that building. Uh, and the day we turned in the paperwork for the variance request, I got three phone calls back um, the same day. Uh, from people that I've been trying for weeks to call me back. And actually, one of them I needed work done at my own house, too. And so uh, I got that lined up, too. Praise the Lord. So, um, so lots of things are falling into, play, uh, into place. I have no idea exactly what the future holds. Um, I hate telling you that, but uh, I feel like that's kind of serving God. So today, we're going to talk about our motivation. What's, what's your motivation is really what we're talking about. And day four, um, the first question that I asked you, and I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to think about it. If you've got a pen, maybe jot down some thoughts, and I'm going to give you about 60 seconds. The question is, what motivates you to spend time with God? Think about that. What motivates you to spend time with God? Take a minute and uh, jot some things down. Think about that. I don't know what things are coming to your mind. If you've got a copy of the book, it gives us some examples, and so maybe some of these are your thoughts, but it talks about maybe we, we seek God because we have a desire for knowledge. We want to know more. Um, maybe it's the desire for comfort. Maybe you want to feel better, and spending time in prayer or seeking God just gives you this sense of peace, and so you, you, the, your motivation behind it is to, um, to just feel better. Maybe the desire is for an answered prayer. Maybe you spend more time seeking God when there's an immediate need in your life and you, you need God to intervene or need God to act. Maybe it's pressure. Maybe it's guilt. Um, pressure that's put on by, by the church, by church leaders that, you know, come on, people, we should be praying. Uh, good Christians pray. Or maybe you were raised that uh, if you miss a day of devotions, you feel super guilty, like as if God is somehow... Um, standing there waiting for you to come back, like tapping his foot and uh, frustrated and angry with you. And so maybe it's this, uh, you, you have to do it. And maybe it's obedience. Well, God commands me to do it, so I'm going to pray because it's a, just a command. Uh, could be guilt, could be discipline. Uh, some of us are just very structured, disciplined people. Uh, we do the same thing every day. We eat the same meal. We eat the same breakfast, same routine, same time we get up every day. And it's just like part of our routine. I, just every day I'm in the Word. And um, whatever our motivation for seeking God, this is, this is what we want to talk about today. Um, and I want us to begin to think about. This is what they want us to begin to think about. Um, because in Jeremiah chapter 17, 
verse 9. Jeremiah is prophesying to the people, and he tells them this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And what Jeremiah is, is trying to point out is not that our hearts are just like totally wicked and beyond help, um, especially when, when Christ comes into our lives, okay? He cleanses our heart. He makes them new. Uh, but we have the propensity as human beings for self-deception. Um, there are areas of our hearts that need to be cleansed, need to be cleaned out, maybe attitudes that we carry. And sometimes we, we don't pay attention to those things. And we, just, we start following Christ and we think we're doing okay. And then we hit a roadblock or we hit something where something happens and we react in a bad way. And we're just like, well, I only reacted that way because of this thing here. Well, no, actually that was in our hearts. And there was this self-deception that covered it. And God's bringing it to light for the purpose of dealing with it. Not for the purpose of making you feel guilty and unworthy and a wretch. And, um, it, because if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. God is bringing that to the surface because he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be pure and clean. And so it's not that we ever get to the place where our hearts are totally pure. Um, I feel like we're on this journey where God is, is trying to get our hearts more like Christ so that our motives become purer and purer. Because when our motives aren't pure, we have a propensity to, to twist the scriptures to give us what we desire. And what we desire might be morally good, but not God. And what we desire might be, like other Christians might look at it and say, oh yeah, that, you should do that. And we're, we're actually twisting God's word to just do what we want rather than what God wants. And we live in a world where Christians, by and large in the Western society, we condemn the immorality in the world, but many live very self-centered and selfish lives. Like, we haven't laid our lives down for Christ, but we're really loud about the, the condemnation that needs to happen out there with all of the, the immorality and wickedness that's in the world. And we're told in the Scriptures to be careful. Be careful that you, you deal with what's here as you point out what's wrong out there. As you deal with the injustices that you see, make sure you're watching your own heart. Jesus said it in, in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, when you judge others, be careful that you're dealing with the, the, the log in your own eye so that you can see clearly to take the speck from your brothers. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 and 2, when he's talking about how we harden our hearts, he says that some of you, talking to the Jews, you, you condemn others, but you're guilty of the very same things that they're doing. Like there's, there's, there's a wickedness in your heart. There's a selfishness that he wants to deal with in our lives. And so we want to make sure that we're not just twisting the scriptures to give us what we want. Um, a lot of times in our world, we move out of hard places um, because we want to move somewhere where it's easier. You know, we, we divorce this spouse because we want to marry a spouse that's better. Um, because I want an, an easier life, or I leave this job because this job is hard, so I'm going to go to this job. Because after all, I mean, serving God, God wants me to be happy, right? He wants me to be blessed. And we condemn what we know of as the prosperity gospel. I mean, we don't believe that God's just going to give you all the money and give you all this stuff, but we live the prosperity gospel when we choose the path of least resistance, and it's not the path God is asking us to walk. I mean, in Hebrews chapter 11, we hear all of these great stories of man, these people that God showed up and he delivered them from all of these things. But then we kind of skip over the end of the chapter when there were people that were sawn in two and eaten by lions and like the path was hard. 
I mean, it's through suffering that we bring the kingdom sometimes. And so we want to make sure that we're not, we're not going after what we want in a self-deceptive kind of way. We want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is free to show us the motivations of our hearts. In James chapter 4, the, the Apostle James writing to the church says, What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? <laughs> oh, good gracious. Isn't this a, a subject for today? Um, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? I mean, man, I, I tell you, just we fight about everything in the church world today. Um, man, it just is unbelievable. You don't have to be on social media for more than 30 seconds. Then you find people arguing about something. And ultimately, I, it's, about, it's really about the stuff in our own hearts that we need to get right. I, that's what I think, but I could be wrong. You, don't, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I mean, there's a prayerlessness on the church in the Western world. We are so frustrated by the way the world is going, and yet we are not increasing the the. the the prayer lives. We're not increasing our prayer lives. Prayer houses are not happening. It's happening around the world. It's just not happening in the Western world yet. Um, and I pray that we get there before persecution comes, but persecution has a way of bringing um, our prayer lives back where they need to be. And so I, it, James goes on and says, even when you ask, you don't get it because you ask with your motives that are wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And if you, if you look at some of the quarrels and the fights that are happening in the church world today, a lot of it has to do just with our own selfish interpretations. Uh, we, we have this idea that our interpretation of the Scripture is the only right interpretation of Scripture, whether it comes about women in, in ministry or um, what is the, the most political issue in our world. And can I tell you, there are, are Christian Democrats and there are Christian Republicans, and if they would just start listening to each other, they'd get a better picture of what God wants to do in our nation. Um, but we're, we're always at each other, and we're like, no, it's this issue. No, it's this issue. No, it's this issue. And it's like, well, you know, the issue is really just the, the, that our hearts are in, a, in the wrong place. We're fighting over things we ought not fight over. And so James earlier tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Okay, so we want to make sure that we're not twisting what we want and just putting God's stamp on it, Okay. Philippians chapter 2 tells us Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Look at this, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Remember, he's talking to the church. And it's even in the church, we can slip into selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, stop and think about this for just a second. Not neglecting our own interests. Okay, the Apostle Paul is not saying just neglect your interests totally and just worry about other people. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying 
Fight against the selfish desire to protect yourself, to only care about yourself, and care about the interests of others. Are we doing that as a follower of Christ? Are we demonstrating this? Do we demonstrate it in our homes? Do we demonstrate it in our workplaces? Do we demonstrate it in our neighborhoods? Are we demonstrating what it looks like to lay our lives down for others? Are we okay being inconvenienced? That idiot, it was his only job in that place. I had to stay in that room for like 30 extra minutes because he couldn't get... I mean, I worry that the Western church is not even willing to be inconvenienced right now. How in the world are we really going to lay our lives down for others? I mean, all around the world today, Christians are being martyred for their faith, and they're doing it the same way Jesus did. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And in, in the Western world, we're fighting about whether or not, you know, I have the right to, like, punch you <laughs> or harm you because I think you're an idiot. Like, this is what's happening in our society today, and some of it is being led by Christians. And we find expert opinions that, you know, this is why I do this. And I just, I worry that the church isn't dealing with the stuff, the selfish desires in our own hearts. And we're fighting to hold on to something that we need to be willing to let go of. Christ never said, follow me and I'll make your life comfortable and easy and you'll have everything you want. And that's a message that maybe we don't preach but deep in our hearts, that's really what we want. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and assure us that, you know, even if you lay your life down, He is no fool who gives up what He cannot lose, cannot keep, to gain what He cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what He cannot keep to gain what He cannot lose. Are we willing to lay our lives down in that way? To be like Jesus who said, Father, forgive them. Or is our prayer more like, Father, come destroy them? I mean, and these are hard things to walk out, especially when we come through a week where, where children are, have been abused and neglected, and it's easy to wonder, well, how does this happen in our world? God, why are children treated in this way? And it's easy to focus on the abuser and I mean, we want the children to be free. We want them to be um, not harmed. We want to deal with that injustice. We also want salvation for the abuser. And those are hard things to wrestle with. Like the words of Jesus, if you just stop and read the gospel slowly, <laughs> the words of Jesus are hard to swallow. Like it's easy to say, love your enemies. Yeah, we're called to love our enemies. We're called to love those who frustrate us. It doesn't mean ignore their behavior and not have dialogue. Uh, it's just how we do it. Being willing to lay down our lives. I mean, I watched all week long people who were willing to do the most unbelievable things and make the most crazy sacrifices to, to help these, these kids find a path of healing, knowing that they probably wouldn't find it this week. That it, I mean, this is a long game we're playing. And we're, they're willing to do it year after year after year. Are we willing to do that in our lives? That's what I think we're called to. That's what Jesus displayed when he came to this earth. And so in verse 5, Paul goes on, he says, In your relationships with one another, have this same mind of Christ. 
He, in being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used as his own advantage. He, he, he did not just say, I'm God, I don't, I, I, you know, just let them figure this out on their own. He, he goes on to say, this is what he did. He made himself nothing. Some versions say he emptied himself. He, sa- he laid aside all of the rights and privileges he had as God. He made himself, the King James says, of no reputation. He took on the nature of a servant. Do you know what a servant does? A servant doesn't just sit down at the table. Jesus told this story and say, hey, get me something. The servant does something for the benefit of others. We're his servants. I mean, yeah, we're his friends, but we're his servants. And do you know what he loves more than anything else? People. Who can I serve this week? It could be as as simple as just a kind word to someone who was unkind to you. Giving others mercy rather than what they deserve. And he modeled it. He came as a human. He came in human likeness. This is what he did for us. And verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Can I tell you, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus triumphed over the spiritual forces of the world by the cross. When we fight back, we empower spiritual forces. When we lay our lives down, we disarm them. And I know, even when I say that out loud, it's like, so does that mean I should just let someone shoot me? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I would rather someone shoot me, knowing where I'm headed, than for me to shoot them, not knowing where they're going. Oh, but Pastor Tom, you have a family. He'll, he'll fix it. He does. I I wanted to be at a wedding yesterday where God just put two people together that I just, whew, out of such pain, did something so beautiful. Like, it's just so, this is what God does. He takes tragedy and he makes good stuff. Can I, I know this is going to upset a whole lot of people in South Dakota. Jesus, help me. I don't know if you've ever thought about what the rest of the world thinks about guns. But there's not another nation of the world where Christians fight for the right to own guns. Not one. The global church doesn't understand the the church's fixation in America with guns. And I'm not saying you shouldn't own a gun. Please hear me. But we are so fixated on the need to have guns to protect ourselves. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And if you use that verse of Scripture where Jesus says, get some swords as a reason to have guns, you're misusing the scripture because that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus brought swords so he could be arrested for a capital offense because when Peter used the sword, what did he do? What are you doing? Put that away. Should, should I not submit myself to this? I need to be crucified. And I know that's hard for us to wrestle with in our society because we've been taught this is right. This is what I should do. Be careful, this is not just a selfish desire of our own hearts. This is what we have to wrestle with. And we don't like these topics. It's really quiet. Because we don't know what to do with them. And I don't know what the right answer is either. 
But I want to make sure that my heart is in the right place. The Scripture gives us three different motives, and I'll just give them to you quick, for our hearts that we need to make sure are there. The first one is love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it's Christ's love that compels us because we're convinced that one died, and one died for all, and therefore all died. As we talked about last week, we need to experience the love of God so much that it comes out of us. It flows out of us. 1 John chapter 5, 19 says, We love because He first loved us. You and I need daily to encounter the love of God in such a way that when we're in situations, the love of God flows out of our lives to others. This is what they need to experience. This is how they experience it. This is the, the idea of gratitude too. Not Sometimes when we think about gratitude, we think that I owe the Lord something, but... He, You can't pay him back. He doesn't even want you to pay him back. But when you understand what he did for you, out of gratitude, you do for others. Luke chapter 7, Jesus is talking about this woman that's anointing him, and the people are like, why is he letting this sinful woman do this to him? And Jesus tells them a story and says, I tell you that her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. And here's the the kicker. None of us have been forgiven more than others. That's not what Jesus is saying. But Jesus is saying some of us don't recognize how much we've been forgiven. And we look down on others in the world. See, it's easy for us to walk out of a movie like The Sound of Freedom and think the atrocities that are being done is somebody else. But it's me. The atrocities that are being done to children around the world, part of it is the selfishness of me that's allowing it to happen because I'm so consumed by my own entertainment. I'm so consumed by the need to have a cell phone. I'm so consumed. And sometimes when I start thinking about this, I'm like, but what do you do? Well, one, you pray. And two, you follow the leading of the Spirit. And you, you deal with the selfishness of your own heart that's actually helping create a world where this is possible. Because once we start thinking it's all them and not me, we run the risk of of self-deception. So we want love to motivate our hearts. We want an awareness of our own sinfulness, not so that we can wallow in guilt and shame, but so that we can be free to love. Free to love. The second motive in Scripture is that there's a reward. Some people are like, oh, you shouldn't do this for reward. Well, if we shouldn't do this for reward, why did Jesus talk about it so much? Like the sheep and the goat story. You're, you're rewarded when you care for those that are hungry, when you give them food, when you give a drink to the thirsty, when you visit or you invite strangers in, show them hospitality, you clothe the naked, you, you care for the sick, you visit those that are in prison. When you do these things, when you take what he's given you, the gifts and the parables of the, the mina and the talents, and you take that and you multiply it, When you lay your life down for others, like there's a reward for that. And it may not be recognition. It may not be people recognizing you and saying, hey, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for laying your life down for people. You may serve God faithfully for years and die unknown. Make yourself of no reputation. And know that there's a reward coming. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, we make it our goal to please Him whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that we will receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
And some people are like, well, you know, I, I don't care what I receive. I just want to spend eternity with Jesus. But in Revelation, we get this picture of casting our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Man, I want to cast as much as I can at his feet. How much can I do? But again, you temper it because the Apostle Paul says you can give your body to the flames, you can sell all that you have and give it to the poor, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. Our motivation ultimately has to start with love, but reward is coming. You have to take verses like Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that, where Jesus says, in this way, let your light shine before others so they will see your good deeds and bring glory to your Father in heaven. The world needs to see the church doing things for the poor, for the orphan, for the widow, for the foreigner, for the neglected. They need to see our good deeds so it brings glory to our Father in heaven. However, Matthew 6, 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. It doesn't say you always have to hide it. You don't do it from the motivation of I want to be seen, I want to be recognized, I want people to congratulate me. Because if you do, that's the only reward you're going to get is their congratulations. Now, I, we had a, a, a man growing up that would always sing specials in, in church, and he never wanted anyone to clap for him. <laughs> I love him. God rest his soul. He's in heaven. He's maybe looking down on me today. But he, so whenever he would sing, if you would start clapping, he would put his hand up and be like, don't clap. Don't clap for me. So then he got really smart, and he would just like sing the chorus one last time and then walk off the stage, <laughs> and then everyone would be singing along, and you know, then they couldn't clap because he was gone. Um, you know, it's not about, we should recognize what God is doing through other people. We should praise them, absolutely. But we don't do it just for the recognition because what we'll find is that never satisfies. No matter how much people praise us, it's never enough. The last motivation that he gives us is to finish the work that Christ came to do. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. What is God's work that Jesus is finishing? If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, God created this world as a place for him to dwell. He literally, I believe, creates a throne room for himself in Eden where he can dwell among men. That's what he has always wanted. And you see that through the Old Testament with the tabernacle and the temple, and you see it being prophesied in Ezekiel and all of the prophets. Then you come to Jesus. He tabernacled among us. He is God's presence among us. Then you see it being pointed to in Corinthians where Paul's prophesying, saying uh, there will be a day where he will live among them. And in Revelation, it ends with this idea that the heaven and earth come down to us and God now dwells among man. This is what God has always wanted. And Jesus came to finish the Father's work. This is what he set about doing. Then he says to his disciples in John chapter 20, verse 21, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. To reconcile people to God. That's the message. It's Christ's ambassadors. Be reconciled to God. And sometimes it, there's a cost associated with that. I mean, we used to love those little wristbands that we wore. What would Jesus do? Maybe you're not old enough to remember those what would Jesus do bracelets. Um, and so we were always like, oh, what would Jesus do? What, but we don't look at what Peter's saying in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he says, follow in Jesus' steps. He's talking about Jesus being led to the slaughter. Like he, he laid his life down and he didn't open his mouth. He didn't retaliate. 
following his steps. Praise God. All right, let's go. We don't like that. No, do I want you to put yourself unnecessarily in harm? No. Do I want you to have some unthinkable tragedy? No. But I've heard story after story after story of people who have laid their lives down and the kingdom has advanced into countries and it took someone to do the hard thing first. Are we willing to do the hard thing in our family to be the one that maybe doesn't offer the snide remark or sarcastic comeback? To be the one that is the soft answer that turns away wrath? Are we the one to go first? Are we the one willing to lay our lives down for others? Because if not, what happens is we tend to bolster our own self-righteousness. We tend to think that we're good and they're not. And if we're going to deal with the motives of our own heart, we have to sit at the table of intimacy and recognize, one, the Father is at this table with us. And he already knew what was in our hearts. We don't have to hide it from him. I love that song, I Run to the Father. No, I'm done with the hiding. He knows what's in my heart. It, it's not an excuse for it, but I'm not going to sit in shame or guilt or blame. Help me deal with it. Take it out so that the love of God flows out of me better than it did before because it stops that up. As a church, this is the journey that we're on. We believe the kingdom of God comes by the finger of God. The only way that one day moments happen is God acts. But we also believe what God uses is people who call him Lord. And if we're going to call him Lord, we have to actually live like he's Lord. Meaning we're going to deal with whatever it is in our hearts that he needs to cut out, clean out, cleanse, remove. And so as you go through this week, what I want you to wrestle with is, Lord, are there any unsurrendered places in my heart? Is there any attitudes, actions, inactions that need to be dealt with? Am I twisting your word in any way to give me what I want? You know, we had this moment at camp where this camper, uh, I tell stories at night to one of the rooms of girls, uh, and my wife abandoned me to do it all alone this year. So thank you for your prayers. <laughs> because me telling stories in a room full of girls is way beyond my comfort zone. But this one girl was trying to use the scripture verses that she knew to put me in my place. And I would always have a comeback for her. And uh, the, the one guide is like, you're not going to win this game. <laughs> and so, but I loved the fact that she at least knew the, the word of God. She was using it to put me in my place in a, a weird way. But, um, but I was encouraged by how many scripture verses she actually knew and remembered from her time at camp. But we don't want to use the scripture that way. We don't want to use it to put other people in their place. We want to use it so that our hearts, God can break up the fallow ground of our hearts and make us more of an impact for him. Because it's not necessarily about what you do for him. It's what he does in you that you just live out before the world. Think about that again. It's not what you do for him. It's what you let him do in you that you live out before the world. And that has to start in our own hearts. And so how do we finish his work this week? As we're going through the 40-day prayer challenge... I know you're going to have opportunities to wrestle with stuff in your hearts. Mark's going to bring out some things. Uh, but another thing I'd challenge you to do is read through the Gospels. And really, if you've got a red-letter edition Bible, 
I don't always encourage this, but I felt like I needed to encourage you to do this. Read the words of Jesus. Don't read like all of the Gospels. Just read everything that's read. As much as you can this week, just read the words of Jesus. And stop and think about them. Don't just read through them and be like, wow, that's really cool. Um, Think about the impact of that. And really wrestle with, how do I apply that? Because it goes against selfish human nature. It goes against the American way. It goes against everything sometimes that we hold very dear. And Jesus, I think, is doing that intentionally to see if we trust him more than we trust our own ability to protect ourselves. And so let the Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts this week. Because I guarantee you there's not a person in this room or listening online where there's not an area of our hearts that God can't do some surgery this week. And so I want to invite you as I close in prayer, again, just to put your hands out in front of you. I know this wasn't a word that is going to make you shout and jump. And um, I had, a, I promise you, I had a whole lot more in my notes than I actually said out loud. Um, I tried to come in praying, Holy Spirit, help me to just say what what is enough. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you everything in your heart that's wrong. I don't even know what's in my heart that's wrong. Our, my goal today was to show you the warnings in Scripture that we have to beware that it's easy to fall to self-deception. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you today and this week to open the eyes of our heart. Give us understanding. Show us unsurrendered places in our hearts. Show us areas of selfishness and self-deception that we've allowed to creep in. Areas that we've guarded or protected that you're asking us to lay down. Show us where we're fighting battles that we shouldn't be fighting. Show us how to fight the right kind of battles. Show us how to wrestle with principalities and powers and spiritual forces that are fighting in our families, that are fighting in our workplaces and in our community. God, help us to do battle on a level that's going to bring absolute freedom to people that are in bondage and that are are in in places of... um, of prisons. And so, Holy Spirit, do surgery on our hearts this week. Help us as we read the words of Jesus to really just reflect on the ways that he's going after our hearts, uh, that he, he will not be second. He won't be second. And yet, he can be trusted. He's not like the Roman emperors that wanted to be worshipped for selfish reasons. He laid his life down first so that we could walk in the fullness of life. Help us not to fight against it. Help us not to reason in our own minds and hearts what it is that we want. Father, not our will, but yours be done. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for being here today. And uh, I hope the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, ministered to you in some way. And what you've received from him, I hope this week you'll live out before others. Bring them into an encounter with him. Don't forget to stop by the table in the back. If, you've, if you need prayer, if you haven't had a chance to be prayed for, prayer team will be here after the service as well. Uh, if you don't need to rush out, don't feel like you need to. Uh, you can spend as much time in this room as you need to. God bless you as you go today.